Genesis. Um, it's a good place to begin, isn't it? Some of you are probably thinking it all depends where you want to end. So, Heavenly Father, I ask your blessing this morning every, every week. Good faithful people, pray for my message that they will be able to do it. That they will take something from it. That it will be a blessing to them. And Lord, that's my prayer, but it's also my prayer that I would say what you would have me say. Have your way this day, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, we, we purposely wanted to, uh, uh, I, I did, uh, we, it's a uh, Queen of England thing, I guess, um, Purposely wanted to do the little Amen song because it starts with Jesus being born in a manger, kind of gives us a Reader's Digest version of his life, and ends with his resurrection. Um, and actually, there's more to the story than that, isn't there? It just doesn't end at his resurrection. So, my message today is entitled, A Baby No Longer. And I wanted us to kind of look at, at this Advent season, perhaps in a way that is different than we have looked at it before. Traditionally, um, when you talked about Advent, often the first coming of Christ and the second coming of Christ were connected. That's why we'll we'll sing some of these Christmas hymns that will actually do that. And you'll say to yourself, well, there's that person's, you know, eschatologically confused, you know, meaning end times. That's what that word means. So they're, you know, they, they've got this one. And well, it's because one in the Old Testament, often these prophecies that we see of his first coming and his second coming omitted the area that we're in now. And some Bible scholars have said it was, it's like the valley of, of the church time or the mountain peaks of prophecy. The second reason is that, that sometimes these things are mingled is because they should be mingled. I get frustrated, maybe you do too, I get it, it puzzles me theologically, um, although I guess there may be some small um, biblical basis for it, when people pray to the holy child, Jesus. You can only pray to the child, Jesus, if you understand that he was a child in time and place and is a child no longer. The child did not answer prayers. The king of kings does answer prayers. The one seated at the right hand of the Father. 
So a lot of introduction. Let's go to Genesis chapter 3, and let's talk about some things, and let's move our way through this here today. <laughs> Lord, help us. Genesis chapter 3, verse 14. The Lord God said to the serpent, Because you have done this, cursed are you above all livestock and above all beasts of the field. On your belly you shall go, And dust you shall eat all the days of your life. I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your offspring and her offspring. And that word offspring could be seed, and that's the way some of your translations will have it. He shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. So right here at the very beginning, right after, well time we don't know the time except that we know that shortly after sin came the curse and right here in the in the beginning of all of these difficulties we have the plan of God foreordained before the world was laid being told to these people who are representatives of us and when we get in the New Testament we see that uh, repeatedly, repeatedly, that Adam was representative of all humanity. So, right here, we have this. He says, look, there's going to be seed, and uh, her seed is going to crush, or bruise, I guess, may I be very careful here, bruise your head. Go, go with me, turn with me, keep going back to Isaiah Chapter 7. Let's read some more scriptures. And that's kind of what we're going to do today is take a scriptural journey. And you've been reading, if you've been following our reading plan, which is okay to do, I I would encourage you to do so. You've been reading through these chapters. And um, You've read Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14. It says, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and you shall call his name Emmanuel, or God with us. We already, <clears throat> we've already read that. Isaiah chapter 9. Now, some of these we're just going to read. Some of them we'll make some comments on. <clears throat> but we've got a lot of scriptures to cover today. Verse 6. For unto us a child is born. To us a son is given. And the government <clears throat> shall be upon his shoulder. And his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor. Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of His government and peace, there will be no end. On the throne of David and over His kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and righteousness from this time forth and forevermore, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. So here we've got these wonderful names 
of Messiah, wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting Father, so that there's no, um, <clears throat> there should be no confusion. If you, if you read this with an open mind, there should be no confusion about who this is. That Jesus Christ was very God, <clears throat> as well as very man. Isaiah chapter 11. <clears throat> This is an interesting passage. There shall come forth, in verse 1, There shall come forth a shoot from the stump of Jesse, and the branch from his roots shall bear fruit. Now, who was Jesse? Father of David. So back we're, we're back now to this um, lineage of David, this dynasty, this kingdom. Verse 2, And the Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the Spirit of wisdom and understanding, Spirit of counsel and might, Spirit of knowledge and of the fear of the Lord. And his delight shall be in the fear of the Lord. He shall not judge by what his eye sees, or decide disputes by what his ears hear, but with righteousness he shall judge the poor, and decide with equity for the meek of the earth. And he shall strike the earth with the rod of his mouth, and with the breath of his lips he shall kill the wicked. And... um. I can't read the rest of this just for sake of time, but what we're what we're dealing with here is in the future. Again, this is one of these eschatological mergers here. It says the wolf shall dwell with the lamb, and the leopard shall die down, lie down with the young goat, and that's not the case now. So, something that's going to come, and this ruler from that that came from David's or uh, Jesse's stump will cause all this to happen. Micah, chapter 5. And, and probably most of us are familiar with these Christmas scriptures. Um, actually, they, most of these scriptures are uh, at some place in the, in the Christmas story, uh, especially in Matthew. Matthew loved to relate, um, probably written to the Jews, and Matthew loved to relate how what happened was a fulfillment of Old Testament Scripture. Uh, Micah chapter 5, verse 2, But you, O Bethlehem Ephrathah, who are too little to be among the clans of Judah, from you shall come forth for me one who is to be ruler in Israel, whose coming forth is from old, from ancient days. So, in, in all of these scriptures, and we'll, be, we'll look at some others here, in all of these scriptures there's something um, above and beyond just a regular king. Here, here he talks about whose coming forth is from old, from ancient days. So he's not just a regular ruler, not just a regular king who's going to come. And, and Jesus Christ came to fulfill all of those. Now, turn back in your Bible just a little bit to Isaiah chapter 53. And again, we'll read some scriptures that are probably familiar with you or to you, but we normally don't hear them uh, around, the, around the Christmas story, although we, we, we maybe, maybe should. I, I won't read all of it. Well, maybe I will. Yeah. Who has believed what he has heard from us? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he grew up before him like a young plant 
and like a root out of dry ground. He had no former majesty that we should look at him and no beauty that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And as one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But he was pierced with our transgressions, he was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace, and with his wounds we are healed. Again, just a couple of comments. As you read the Christmas story, you're going to read passages where where the old man looks at the baby and, and says, now this is the fulfillment of what God was going to do. Where prophecies were given to Mary that her heart would be pierced. Notice here that that it's our griefs and our sorrows and our transgressions and our iniquities and our peace, us peace, that these things that he did were, were for us. Verse 6, All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth like a lamb that is led to slaughter, and like a sheep that before its shears is silent, so he opened not his mouth. By oppression and judgment he was taken away. And as for his generation who considered that he was cut off out of the land of the living. Stricken for the transgression of my people. And they made his grave with the wicked and with a rich man in his death. Although he had done no violence and there was no deceit in his mouth. Yet it was the will of the Lord to crush him. He has put him to grief. When his soul makes an offering for guilt, he shall see his offspring. He shall prolong his days. The will of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. Out of the anguish of his soul, he shall see and be satisfied. By his knowledge shall the righteous one, my servant, make many to be accounted righteous. And he shall bear their iniquities. You might read that with Philippians chapter 2 where it talks about Christ emptying himself and taking the form of a servant, and then later was highly exalted. Therefore I will divide him a portion with the many, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong, because he poured out his soul to death and was numbered with the transgressors, yet he bore the sin of many, and he makes intercession for the transgressors. He was pierced for us. He bore our sorrows and all we like sheep. (laughs) All. All inclusive. Everyone. Romans chapter 3. Where is that? There it is. I, I, I'd like to read all of this, but time doesn't permit to read it. You, it's here for you to look at any time you want. 
Verse 21, But now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law, although the law and the prophets bear witness to it, the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe, for there is no distinction, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by His grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. And I've got to stop. It's one another one of Paul's run-on sentences. So he he tells us that it, it's by faith. And and who's included in this? Everyone, because all have what sinned. Just jump over to chapter six. Probably once again, if you've taken any sort of witnessing class or read about this, you you know you know this verse. Verse 20, For when you were slaves to sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. But what fruit were you getting at that time from those things, of which you are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. But now that you've been set free from sin and have become slaves of God, I've just got to interject something here. Anyone who is really saved is a slave of God. Now, um, we've talked about it in the past, but a slave lives to serve his master. He does what his master does, what his master wants, what his master asks, what his master commands, and thinks of himself Last. Uh, But now that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves of God, the fruit you get leads to sanctification and its end, eternal life. For the wages of sin is death. But the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. So a couple of things I wanted to emphasize here as we looked at all of these scriptures was that Jesus came as a Savior because we were sinners. We needed a Savior. What needed to be done for us, we could not do on our own. Now, let's look at the Christmas story. With, with all of that as background, when, when we think about the Christmas story, and, and one, of the, one of the things I wanted to try to do with this is try to counteract all of the stuff that goes on out here in, in, in the world, and more importantly in this fuzzy, touchy-feely Christianity that happens around all over the place. So let's look at just a couple of verses here. Matthew chapter 1, verse 18. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. So this sounds familiar. <laughs> when his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, For that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, 
and you shall call his name Jesus. Now, what does Jesus mean? It means Jehovah saves. Okay, so it's a it's a um, uh, it's a shortened form. Actually, jot. It's a shortened form. Uh, um, I'm going to mess up the term here, but it was in their Aramaic Greek culture. It was a shortened form of Joshua, which means Jehovah saves. You shall name. You shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Luke, let's go to Luke, chapter 2. See, one of our problems that allows us to get so distracted is we, we forget we're sinners. And... We forget what what that means before a holy God. Maybe maybe we maybe we never even contemplated it at all. Maybe that's my fault. And in the same region, this is verse eight. There were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flock by night, and an angel of the Lord appeared to them. And the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, "Fear not." For behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a, what? A Savior. Who is Christ the Lord. That, that Christ, once again, is, is, is a Greek form of Messiah. So you could read it like that. Who is Messiah the Lord. And this shall be a sign for you. You find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he's pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all heard it, wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured all these things, pondering in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying, praising God for all they'd seen and heard as it had been told them. So these angels appear and there is rejoicing and exaltation in the heavens and we kind of get the picture from this that this is kind of what's going on in in heaven itself. There had to be some announcement of this, some proclamation of this good news. It's good news for all people because God has sent for all people a what? A Savior. Now, we read this, read this earlier that He will save His people from their what? Sin. Now, there's, there's all kinds of, of um, scriptures to this. We, just, we, looked at, we looked at a couple. There's one that's, that, t- that talks about sin and death. That, and we normally talk about that when we talk on, on, on Good Friday, how, how God chose death for his son to free those of us who were all our lives in fear of death. 
and we 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 sang the uh, we didn't sing it. <laughs> Larnell sang it. Lord, forgive me if I try to sing it. But anyway, uh, Larnell sang it that he rose on Easter, which kind of poetic license there. But we we understand what he's talking about. They buried him in rose. I saw an interesting thing. It was it's apparently a documentary about some missionaries who went to this village had never heard the gospel before, and they. They, over a period of months, started in Genesis, okay? And they, and they shared with these people the whole story of God and of creation and of, the, uh, and of, of Israel and the prophets. And they ended their story with the crucifixion of Jesus. And a few days later, they called the people back together again. People who had been mourning for three days. They planned on this, folks. I mean, thank God no one killed themselves. These people had been in mourning for three days because the one who was their hero and was going to be their savior was dead. They didn't know and then they told him about the resurrection. Huh. And that sealed the transaction. The sacrifice of Christ on our behalf was accepted. Now, I, I, I want to go back to this. I got a whole bunch more scriptures here. I got. I, 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 I want to read. I want to just have us think for just a moment in the midst of this world in which we live. We read that, you know, he will be a savior, a savior who is Christ the Lord. The poor once saved from what? Poverty. The sick once saved from what? Illness and sickness and infirmity. The oppressed once saved from tyranny, and we could go on and on and on. We look, we look at all of this through the little glasses that we've got, and whatever color our glasses are, that's what color we see it. And God help us where there are places out here that this morning are preaching that that's what we should be doing. All of those things are nothing but byproduct. Let us be careful this Christmas, because these, these are all just byproducts. His real goal was salvation from sin. These other things are just uh, add-ons to it. Oh, we'll have, we're going to hear Christmas songs and sentiments that folks are gathered at the cradle of a little baby because the little baby is going to help them through life. He came to die. He died not so that we wouldn't be poor or so that we would be healthy or so that we would be politically free. He died to take our sin. Genesis, Isaiah, Romans, we read all those, all tell us that we are sinners and we need a Savior. Now, as we already hinted, hinted to, to some degree, that's not the end of the story. There is another story. Turn with me to the book of the Revelation, because this Jesus who came is coming back. And I want to read to you some, some scriptures 
Um, just to, once again, kind of put this in in the somewhat of a perspective, and I'm going to I'm going to read these. And not in necessarily in chronological order here, but I want to read just to give us an idea of what we're talking about. Revelation chapter 17, verse 6. And I saw a woman drunk with the blood of the saints, the blood of the martyrs of Jesus. And when I saw her, I marveled greatly. But the angel said to me, Why do you marvel? I will tell you the mystery of this woman. And of the beast with seven heads and ten horns that carries her. The beast you saw was and is not and is and is about to rise from the bottomless pit and go to destruction. And the dwellers on earth whose names have not been written in the book of life from the foundation of the world will marvel to see the beast because it was and is not and is to come. Now, once again, I've got to stop here and and just point out to you that this story about the baby in the manger is just one little segment of a story that started before the foundation of the world. And when we even get to these events in the book of the Revelation, which I believe have not yet happened, we're still talking about the foundation of the world and the fulfillment of all of those things. Verse 9 says, this, this calls for a mind with wisdom. The seven heads are seven mountains on which the seven on which the woman is seated. There there are also seven kings, five of whom are fallen, and one is, and the other is not yet come. And when he does come, he will remain only a little while. As for the beast that was and is not, it is an eighth, but it belongs to the seven, and it goes to destruction. <laughs> now, I don't understand all that, okay? And we're not going to get into all that today, but we've got mountains and kings and... You know, one coming and one's not here yet and the other's going to come and one's going to rise out of it. Um, So there's a little bit of confusion about how that process is going to work out. But there isn't confusion about the end. And I just got my finger here right on at the end of verse 11. It goes to destruction. And the ten horns that you saw are ten kings who have not yet received royal power. But they are to receive authority as kings for one hour together with the beast these are of one mind and they hand over their power and authority to the beast they will make war on the lamb and the lamb will conquer them <laughs> for he is lord of lords and king of kings and those with him are called and chosen and faithful now maybe of a maybe a disservice because I'm reading this before I read some of the previous ones but they will make war and the and they will be conquered by the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings. Turn back to Revelation 9. This, this little baby is a baby no longer. I heard, I heard a, guy, a, a minister on a podcast says the baby has combat boots. Again, we, 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 we like to think of Jesus as a baby in a manger. When when he grew up, he had the force of personal authority about himself to cleanse the temple, twice probably. Revelation chapter 9, verse 18, I'll I'll read just a few verses. Um, By these three plagues, a third of mankind was killed by the fire and smoke and sulfur coming out of their mouths. For the power of the horses is in their mouths and in their tails, for their tails are like serpents with heads, and by means of them they wound. 
And some you may say, what does that mean? It means what it says. The rest of mankind who were not killed by these plagues did not repent of the works of their hands, nor give up worshiping demons and idols of gold and silver and bronze and stone and wood, which cannot see or hear or walk, nor did they repent of their murders or their sorceries or their sexual immorality or their thefts. So we look around us in this world and we say, why, why don't these people see? Because some people don't see and won't see, and even when a third of the people in the world die, they still won't repent. Chapter 6. I'll start with verse 12. When he opened the sixth seal, I looked, and behold, there was a great earthquake, and the sun became black as sackcloth. The full moon became like blood, and the stars of the sky fell to the earth as a fig tree sheds its winter fruit when shaken by a gale. The sky vanished like a scroll that was being rolled up, and every mountain and island were removed from its place. Then the kings of the earth and the great ones and the generals and the rich and the powerful and everyone slave and free hid themselves in caves and among the rocks of the mountains, calling to the mountains and rocks, fall on us and hide us from the face of him who is seated on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. For the great day of their wrath has come and who can stand? Hide us. You remember when Moses went up on the mountain and spent time with God when he came down, his face glowed? And they said, we can't look at you. And he had to put a veil on his face. Remember when Moses went up on the mountain and there was lightning and flashes and all sorts of strange things that were coming out of the mountain and it scared the people, especially scared them when that one guy got too close and he touched it. And because he touched the mountain, he wasn't allowed to do and he died. Remember this? This is in the Old Testament. Remember how the people said, Moses, we're not getting near that mountain anymore. You go and be there. And it was subsequent to that after that that Moses came back down with his face all ago and they said, cover your face. We can't stand to look at you. He'd been in the presence of God. Here we've got people who are saying, we're going to hide from his face because of their guilt because of their sin if you're a believer you don't necessarily have that the shepherds went to see him interestingly enough we sing the hymn oh come let us what Behold him. We want to see him. And one more, one more scripture. Revelation chapter 5. Then I saw in the right hand of him who was seated on the throne a scroll written within and on the back, sealed with seven seals. And I saw a mighty angel proclaiming with a loud voice, Who is worthy to open the scroll and break its seals? And no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth was able to open this scroll or to look into it. And I began to weep loudly. Because no one was found worthy to open the scroll and look into it. And one of the elders said to, he, said to me, weep no more. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, 
has conquered so that he can open the scroll and its seven seals. Remember him? The root of David, the lion of the tribe of Judah. And between the throne and the four living creatures and among the elders, I saw a lamb standing as though it had been slain. It was seven horns, it was seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out to all the earth. And he went and he took the scroll from the right hand of him was seated on the throne. And when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the twenty-four elders fell down before the lamb, each holding a harp and golden bowls full of incense with which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song, saying, Worthy are you to take the scroll and open its seals, for you were slain and by your blood. You ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. And you've made them a kingdom and priests to our God, and they shall reign on the earth. Then I looked and I looked and heard round the throne and living creatures and the elders the voice of many angels numbering myriads of of myriads of myriads and thousands and thousands saying with a loud voice worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing and I heard every creature in heaven and earth and under the earth and in the sea and all, and all that is in them saying to him who sits on the throne and to the lamb be blessing and honor and glory and might forever and ever and the four living creatures said amen and the elders fell down and worshipped this is the babe in the manger that all heaven worships. The only one worthy to take the scroll. The only one who has redeemed us. Listen, for you were slain and by your blood you ransomed people for God. Jesus. The one in the manger. No longer a baby. A judge of all the earth. That's whom we serve. Now, let's pray. Heavenly Father, smite our hearts, I pray, with the power of your deliverance. where the weight of the heaviness of our sin weighs upon us as it should bring the freedom that comes from knowing that Christ has paid for it all. Where worry about the future may press upon us, free us from that worry by the awareness that the one who came will come again with righteousness and judgment and power and authority. And in that knowledge, help us serve Him and Him alone. As we move through this Christmas season, don't let us get distracted by possessions and things. It'll be wonderful to be with families, but don't let us get pulled away from the one who redeemed all men from all nations and tribes and kindreds and tongues. For he is Lord of lords. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.